0: Another episode of Pour Me Another. This is your host John Lael. Yeah, that's my full name, John Lael, L A E L, and I feel comfortable telling you that because I'm free. You're probably wondering where the fuck I've been, and that's what this episode is all about. I'm going to tell you where the fuck I've been, what's been going on in my life, and why Pour Me Another took a bit of a hiatus. Why I've taken a bit of hiatus from making Pour Me Another. So, uh, let's start. Uh, Basically, the idea is shit went fucking crazy in my whole life. And I've been trying to get it all back together. Um, It started with the death of my friend Ashley, which I spoke about in a previous episode. And then shortly after that happened, I lost my job as an airport manager. That's what I did. I was the manager of an airport here in the mountains of Virginia. And uh, that ended abruptly. I'm going to tell you why and who's responsible for it. He's a real cocksucker named Tom. Um yeah so that happened, and after that uh my motivation to do practically everything just evaporated i I haven't been able to fucking oh christ i don't know do the podcast or go to the gym or uh, i I've, I've really been i've been slacking on most useful tasks to be perfectly honest the one thing that I have been doing is uh is the dishes <laughs> and the laundry and uh cleaning my house and fucking paying the rent and that's about as far as I'm able to get. I I have started working since I lost my job and I have a, I have a temp position or well, it's a, it's a, it's a a sort of a part-time thing. But anyway, so that's basically what fucking happened. My, my whole life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there and I'll tell you how I became a bum without a job. And, uh, uh, the, the name of the show is Pour Me Another. As always, I do have a beverage and today's beverage is a big fucking cup of coffee. I'm drinking a big cup of coffee because it's, it's, uh, well, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. I only woke up about an hour ago. I've been catching up on lots and lots of sleep that I used to miss working at the airport. And so I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I, I woke up today and I finally felt sort of refreshed and motivated and, uh, ready to return to sort of a routine. And so part of that routine is making these podcast episodes. And so we're back at it. Um, all right. So, Let's begin let's let's go back to the the very beginning of why John Leo, your host, decided to fuck right off from making poor me another. I'm drinking my coffee black today, and evidently that means that I don't have a fucking soul or something or that I'm a sociopath. Maybe that's what it was anyway, my coffee's black, a little bit of sweetener in it, ah, uh, artificial, no sugar, so uh well, what the fuck happened um let me let me tell you about my job. I've never told you guys about my job at the airport. I'll tell you about my job at the airport. I'm not going to tell you what the name of the airport is because I don't want to give out that information. I don't want you guys to go dox them. And, uh, uh, don't, <laughs> for those of you who know which airport it is, don't give them any backlash. This is, I want to be completely done with all that. I want to move past that in my life and and maybe doing this episode of the podcast will, will, will provide me a cathartic experience to explain to all of you why that whole fucking thing went tits up and uh, what happened. So, all right, I'll tell you what, I moved back to Virginia in 2015 after I got my degree in college and uh, my degree in aerospace flight dispatch. And as a lot of, you know, as, as those of you who have listened, no, I was recovering from uh, a really intense case of post-traumatic stress disorder resulting from childhood trauma. Ooh, sounds pretty standard for kids these days. Um, yeah I was I was a mess, and uh, I had this aerospace degree, and I came back to Virginia because my family's here and I shacked up with my mom and my brother, which was actually a pretty good experience. Uh, we fought a lot, but it was nice to be back and close with them and I worked at a bar for a while bartending and then i worked at uh I worked at a cell phone store I have a sales experience, so I worked at a cell phone store selling phones and uh doing customer service for people there that that was a nightmare job you 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 exist in this like fucking uh, cubicle kind of building, and you there's a line of desks, and people walk in, and and you just like service them and sell them things. It was fucking bad. I hated it. Plus, I, I worked with this stinky little fucker named Cody that everyone hated, who was like the top sale, salesperson, but he was also like the the king of sleaze and cheese, and and no one liked him, and he sexually harassed all the women, and I fucking hated that guy. Anyway, that whole job sucked, dick Um, uh, I I, I made decent money doing that job selling phones, but. Ultimately, I I I got like one day, the last straw was I'm sitting at my desk and this dude, I'd sold this fucking guy a cell phone like, I don't know, I think a, f- a fucking week prior to this incident. And he comes in, he's just like old baby boomer type ish guy covered in like cheap jewelry and motorcycle jacket stuff. And he's short and squat and fat and he's wearing fucking sandals with socks and his breath smells like cigarette butthole. The worst cigarette shit breath I've ever smelled in my fucking life. I mean, it was bad. And uh, his teeth were rotting. He sits in front of me and he starts to bitch about how he dropped his fucking phone and, and how that was somehow my fault. And I was I was just like, sir, you know, you didn't get the insurance. You didn't get a screen protector for me. You didn't get a case for me. You bought all your shit cheap on Amazon from China. You slapped it. Your four dollar. You slapped your four dollar case and your 50 cent screen protector on your seven hundred dollar phone. And then you destroyed it. And now you want me to do something about that. And I don't really know what to do for you, man. You don't have the insurance. You opted out of it because it was too expensive. Uh, what, what do you want from me? And he just got madder and madder. And after he finally left, there's nothing I could do to help this fucking guy. Nothing. He screwed himself. After he leaves, I just, I, I looked out the window and I thought, man, I was in the army. I was a fucking, I was, I was an army truck driver. I was all over the world. Uh, I got a degree in aerospace. I was a pilot and a flight dispatcher. And... Now this, I have to put up with fucking this. I said that's enough. So I stood up, and I walked in the back, and I told my boss. I said, "Listen, man, I gotta go." And that was it. I took my shirt off. I walked out in a white T-shirt, and I quit. And it was a really, really good day. Quitting a shitty job is a universally pleasurable and relieving and enabling experience. I've I've never I've I've quit several shitty jobs before. Walking away from that garbage is always a good experience. Because this is a mantra that you should live by, especially when it comes to work. Work is a means to an end. It pays bills. It keeps food on the table. And unless you're in a situation where you literally can't do anything else, there's no point suffering in misery for a paycheck. There's just fucking not. You know, you can work it out. There are ways to survive if you have to, to get to a place where you can work in something or for someone that makes you happy. Because largely employment is like that. It's not just the something, it's, it's largely the someone. People don't just quit jobs and environments, they quit leaders. And for whatever reason, ever since I've been back in Virginia, I haven't had a lot of really amazing leaders in the places that I've worked. And so the, the cell phone store was, was, a, was a great example of that. The one place that I can think of where I did have an exceptional leader was the next job I had after the, uh, the phone store was working at a car dealership. I worked at a car dealership down in North Carolina across the state line, and I sold uh, Dodge Jeep Chrysler Ram. And I had this boss whose name was George, and George was the fucking best dude. He was a really, really good man, and he was a really, really good leader, and he was really considerate and caring about his employees. And they had developed this culture at the store that was uh, all about moving sales and moving metal and making money for the company, making money for individuals, but it was also about strengthening our individual skill sets and developing a, a teamwork system that Promoted you know the idea of of making the sale closing, 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 but at the same time developing honest real rapport with your customers and 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 then also developing real uh, decent rapport with the people you were selling cars with and i I was only there for a short time, a few months, but while I was there, I had a really good experience and I actually really enjoyed selling cars. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to test drive a bunch of the you know baddest vehicles on the road, like the Charger and the Challenger uh, Hellcat SRT. They're so cool. That was SRT? I don't think that's a thing anymore. Anyway, it was the the Hellcat, which is like 700 horsepower. I got to drive that, and I got to drive all the new Fiat like little Spider, uh, fucking what what is that Roadster car that Fiat's putting out? Because Fiat bought out all of like those brands, and so. Eventually, near the end of my time there, the store picked up all of the Fiat vehicles for sale, and, and they were pretty cool. Before I took the job at the car dealership, or, or maybe it was during the job at the car dealership, random chance. I was, I was still living with the family at the time. My mom comes to me, and she's got the local newspaper. And she said, look at this. There was an ad in the local newspaper for the position of airport manager at a local airport. And she said, you're so qualified for this. You should do this. And I said, shit, you're not kidding. So I put together my resume and I went and I submitted it to this airport and um, I got a call. They told me they wanted me to come in and interview. So I go in and interview. There's a couple other guys there. There was an older dude and there was a younger dude and I was sort of in the middle and uh, we all did our interviews. And, and then I left and I, I I said, you know, I thought like I, I'd wait to hear from him. Well, I got a letter from the airport in the mail that said, um, you know, we were impressed by your resume, but we decided to go with someone else. Thanks for application. I was like, all right, fuck it. So I go to work at the car dealership and I figured the car dealership would be sort of a long term deal because I'm really good at sales. You know, I'm good at talking. I'm good at building rapport with people. People people enjoy, you know, spending time with me and speaking to me. And I, I always make it interesting. So um. It, it, sales just kind of came naturally to me. And so uh what happened was I'm at this sales job, I'm working for the dealership and I'm I'm doing good and you know if I'd have stayed there I probably would have made a lot of money and and uh and, and probably enjoyed it. It was like 60 hour a week job. So it was a lot. A lot of time on foot, but I was losing weight at the time I needed to. I, I need to right now. But <laughs> at the time I was I was losing weight. I dropped down to like 195 while I was selling cars. And uh Which is a good way for me. That's that's a real good way for me. But uh, I'm selling cars, and one night on the drive home, I get a phone call. I had bought a Jeep from the dealership. I had this really slick Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk edition, like 2015. It was so nice. It was a bitchin' ride, man. It had fucking this crazy four-wheel drive off-road package, and... Uh, it had a really powerful engine, and um, the interior was super nice. It was all black interior, all black exterior. It was so hot, man. It was fast. I loved it. I love that car. The one thing that I hated about it was that, A, the cruise control was shit going downhill. I hated that. For some reason, it really, really bothered me. I would accelerate, like, like 16 miles an hour off my target. Fuck, what, what? Cruise control? Like, my 2003 Explorer did better than that. And then it had this auto stop-start feature. That was a pain in the ass that you could only you had to turn it on and off every time you started the vehicle. So like auto stop auto stop start is if you pull up to a light, you let as soon as you stop, the engine shuts off. When you let off the brake, the engine uh, reignites and then you carry on. I hated that feature. The uh, the other thing was the transmission was real weird. It's like a nine speed, super technologically complicated fucking transmission and the thing was all herky-jerky through the first like four gears once you once you get to like gear four it was fine but the thing was weird so you know the performance of the vehicle wasn't really what I wanted and 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 also it was a bit more expensive but anyway I'm driving this thing home and my phone goes off and uh it's a number that I don't know so I pick up and it's this guy Tom and he's from the airport Ah, uh, coffee, Java, 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 Java. This fucking guy, Tom, I pick up the phone and he's like, he's an old white country conservative guy, like fucking 73 years old. And uh, as soon as I pick up the phone, this is Tom over at the airport. And I was wondering if you are still interested in that airport position. I was like the manager position. He's like, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. am you know, I wanted to work back in, I wanted to get back into aviation and aerospace. I needed to be close to airplanes to maybe fuel my drive into, uh, you know, recovering from my post-traumatic stress thing and get me back in the cockpit of an airplane. And so I said, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to talk about that. So I went and I sat with him one day and, uh, I took the job. And so November of 2016, that would have been at the end of 16, I started as an airport manager. Um, I did not know what I was getting myself into. I had no fucking idea. I mean, I you know, that is uh looking back on it if I if I could have gone back and and really sat down and talked to myself uh 3 years ago and been like, dude, you really don't know. You just don't fucking know. I I might have made a different decision. Because an airport specifically, a federally funded um, government-funded public airport. Even a small one like this one was a general aviation airport. General aviation being, you know, small planes, privately owned. We don't have, like, air carriers. We just have air carriers being airlines. We just had, like, it was just, like, basically a, a small municipal runway, uh, runway and a FBO and ramp for people and businesses to use. There weren't any airlines there. Just a small airport, even a small airport which it's a, it's like a, it's a pretty big facility is an enormous amount of work and an enormous amount of administration and responsibility and liability while I was at this airport. Okay. So I started, let me, let me go. let me, let me, let me do this chronologically. I started and the guy that trained me how to run an airport had been running an airport for three months. He was a retired C-130 pilot out of the air force. He had no experience as an airport manager. They hired him over me. He was the guy that won the job over me. He had been there for three months, and uh barely had any idea how to run the place he tried to teach me as best he could over the course of two weeks. I got two weeks of training from a guy that had been there for three fucking months and uh you know <laughs> he I, he didn't he just didn't teach me a whole lot. you know what i mean and the 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 hardest part of this whole experience is that my old white conservative douche boss ran everything on steam gauges. Like it was a fucking business from the 1950s. Like we had a checkbook that you wrote checks by hand. Okay. This is a government funded fucking airport and we're writing checks by hand. Okay. We don't, we didn't have online banking because he, he only banked with this one bank that didn't do online banking that had no internet connectivity systems whatsoever. It was all paper. It was all handwritten in 2016, 17, in the modern fucking age, I'm writing checks by hand. I'm writing my paycheck by hand. I'm having to calculate the taxes by hand with a calculator and do everything by hand. I'm writing checks by It was fucking madness. And I had to learn. I mean, I grew up in the modern age. I, I, do, I do all my banking online. The bank account is always balanced for me when I pull up my thing. Like, I don't do any of that shit. I use a debit card. I never carry cash. And so I go to work for this like old fashioned, it's like running an old timey country store, except it's a fucking five million dollar airport facility. And I'm the man in charge. Okay, so I'm running this goddamn fucking huge thing. And I'm writing. I wrote I hand wrote a check for three hundred forty six thousand dollars to a contractor one time for work that we had done. Hand wrote that fucking check. Can you believe that Uh, the insanity of that? I took it to the bank and the bank teller lady was like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I was like, lady, you have no fucking idea. So anyway, I'm poorly trained. I basically have to teach myself how to run this fucking airport. Like the whole, like almost all of it was OJT, me learning. And I had a little bit of help from Tome, the old man at the top, but not that much. Okay. Not really that fucking much. He didn't help much at all. but what I started to realize was that despite the fact that this guy didn't have a fucking clue how to run the airport, he really didn't. He didn't know my job at all. He he knew how to maybe write checks and take emails, but that was it. The rest of it, the government interactions, the government websites, the fucking, the grant requests working with, uh, like 17 different government organizations, taking water samples for the department of environmental quality, uh, the, the list of shit that I did is so, so long and he didn't know how to do the vast majority of it. He couldn't have trained me, uh, fucking if he tried, there was no way for that to happen. You know? So I basically had to teach myself despite the fact that he had no idea how to do anything. He was still convinced that he was head honcho. Like he was the real power behind the show. Like he was really running the place and he, he wasn't, I was, The whole time I was there, I was running the fucking thing, and uh, the balance of power was was just it was miserable. And this guy was the cheapest bastard I've ever met and worked for in my fucking life. I I I I I I I can't tell you how many arguments I get into over piddly little like ten dollar and five dollar expenditures. You know what I mean? Like we had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the operations account. And this guy was pissing and moaning about little tiny expenses. By the way, this is all public knowledge because that is a public airport. You can literally go in there and request to see all of the records and they have to show it to you. So fuck it. Anyway, like like I said, not going to give any specifics. Please don't uh, go and dox the bastard or, or go and do research yourself. This is just me telling my story. But anyway, so where was I? Yeah, he thought he ran the whole fucking place and he was he was cheap as could be. When I started at the airport, I'll I'll even tell you, I'll even give you the dollar figures on my fucking salary, all right? I started managing a a a fucking airport. A whole airport. I was the only full-time employee. I made $35,000 a year starting out with no benefits, no retirement, no fucking dental, no medical, nothing. It was a flat paycheck, okay? I started working for that I'd been there for two years. I'd been running this place. During that time, okay, I had handled millions of dollars. I had survived several audits. I'd never lost a penny. I'd never had any fines. I had interacted perfectly with all the government agencies. You know, I I, had never done anything. We had never had an accident as a result of, um, uh, you know, my negligence or ineptitude. The, the airport was running fine. All the records had been kept. You know, all the local government organizations were happy. The rent was being paid by our hangar personnel, the governments were sending us our paychecks, you know, like everything was fine. Really, everything was fine. I was doing a good job as an airport manager and I received praise from everybody except my first line supervisor, Dickhead Tom. No matter what, whenever I spoke to this guy, it was always negative. He never had anything good to say about my performance. He never thanked me. He never gave me a pat on the back. He never said good job. He never said you did this right. Not one fucking time. I worked there. They put me on this like probationary period in the first six months that I was there. All he did was write things down on a fucking yellow legal pad. And then my six month review to to get a raise, a pay increase. All he did was talk shit about the work that I'd been doing, you know, had no ability to recognize that I had walked into this position with very little training and had to teach myself how to run the fucking joint by myself. He didn't recognize any of that. He literally just whipped out this stupid legal pad and had like a list of mistakes I had made like anyone else would and then fucking use that against me to keep me on this probationary period and not offer me a pay raise after six months of managing a fucking airport, okay? And so then <laughs> it, it, it eventually, I, I, I guess I, I met his requirements and they gave me a little piddly pay raise, $500 annually. I was there for three fucking years. In three years of managing a government facility, managing a government airport, my pay went up $1,000 annually and I received no additional benefits. In the world of aviation, in the world of every profession, especially with the label manager at the end of it, that is fucking garbage. That is hot, stank, fucking, behind the abortion clinic garbage. Like, I I was, and I was so stressed out all the time. This guy was a walking nightmare, a, a miserable human being to have to work for. Because he would nitpick on every little fucking stupid thing, and every little dime, and every, it was, it was so Oh, he was a micromanager in the worst kind of way. And and, and he was not a nice person. And I, I mean, I would go back and forth with this guy sometimes over the stupidest little shit. And his 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 big picture for the airport was the airport manager, who was the only full time employee who was running the whole fucking show for this guy, was basically his secretary and didn't deserve recognition or compensation that was fair. And so I'd had enough. After two and a half, uh, let's see, I, I, I guess I started my retaliation <laughs> at the beginning of 2018. I'd had enough. I'd been working for these fucking people for two, over two years. And at, when I, what I figured was when I reached my two-year anniversary, I would receive some kind of increase in pay. So I asked for it, and he flatly told me no. And I was just like, okay, that's, um, yeah, I don't know how much longer I can put up with this shit. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was mostly miserable working there most of the time that I was there. Now, that is also uh, part and parcel to... That is partly... Is part and parcel the right even the right fucking thing to say? I don't fucking know. It is partly because of some things that were happening in my personal life that were very distressing and difficult while I was working at the airport. While I was at the airport, I was recovering from the loss of a, a very dear friend who had passed away um, in a mid-air collision... Uh, my grandmother passed away. Uh, I'm still in therapy for my anxiety disorder and all that stuff, you know. So I was, I was, I was under a lot of stress in my personal life. Meanwhile, I'm trying to learn how and properly execute the management of a fucking government airport. So the whole thing, the whole time, I was stressed out of my mind, just always under stress, you know. I worked for a real asshole uh, uh, who was chintzy, and he literally he didn't care about my well-being or benefit like like I was not an important part of his strategy my compensation was he forgot about it he just didn't even give a shit it wasn't on his radar he was only focused on what Tom wanted for the airport what Tom thought was fair okay so check this out when I decided to ask for a raise Tom and I were going over the budget at the beginning of this year we sat down and we had to go over the budget for the airport. There was a whole section in the budget for airport manager salaries and benefits. Okay. It totaled $75,000. They had accounted like $38,900 for salary. I wasn't making that. They were accounting $17,000 for manager benefits. I didn't receive any benefits. And then there was this other thing for like, a uh, uh, part-time airport manager. So like when I would go and do things, someone else would take over and that was that portion. So anyway, the point is there was about $20,000 in the budget for the airport manager that I wasn't receiving. Okay? But you know what they did with it? The, the year prior, they used that money that was in the budget for me to buy a John Deere tractor. <laughs> $25,000 they put towards half the cost of a brand new 75 horsepower John Deere tractor that the state paid the other half. So, what was supposed to go to the airport manager went to a tractor. When we went over the budget, he, as he went down the line on light item, line items for the budget, he fucking, he like skipped over that part. I, I, he sat there and did it right in front of me. He said, We're going to leave that. Uh, and then he just kept going. Like, I didn't notice. Like, I couldn't fucking read. So, uh, at that point, I realized, like, this dude is sheisty and uh, doesn't give two fucks about like me or my employee. You know, like I just, I, I knew all along, like I knew when I got there, I had waded into a fucking nightmare working for these goddamn people, but specifically Tom. And so the way the government system works at this airport, the three localities, there's like a couple counties in a city. They created an airport commission in the sixties to build the airport, set it up. And they, there's two representatives from each of those localities. And, you know, one of those commission members is elected to the position of chairman. Well, that's where, you know, dickhead Tom fucking got his position of authority. So uh, this fucking guy, um, he's the head honcho. The other members of the airport commission, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, they didn't really seem to give two shits about what was going on at the airport. Like none of them, they didn't give a fuck, you know, whatever he wanted, they went along with. They were just old dudes that were there to fucking be on the commission and and told you know like show up because the localities told them to and then you know once a year we go to a, an aviation conference and they get their fucking free salmon lunch or whatever M- meanwhile the the entire organization and administration of this facility is is between me and Dickhead Tom and so uh at the end of the day, like literally whatever he wanted flew and nobody, you know, made any waves, and everybody was just like, ho-hum, so fucking, I'd had enough, right, like, once that budget thing went down, once I saw that these pricks had fucking that much money sitting in the bank account, for, or their budget, that's supposed to be going to the airport manager, who's literally running the entire fucking show for them, I decided I'd had enough, so I wrote a letter, I went around him, because I had asked him in November, and he flatly told me no, So I said, fuck that shit. I'm going to write a letter to the fucking airport commission. I'm going to email it to all the sons of bitches before the meeting. We had a meeting every month. Okay, this is important. Every month on the fourth Thursday of the month, the airport commission would have a meeting and I would fucking, I'd put the whole thing together. I'd do all the paperwork, all the financials, prepare reports and things, and then I'd present it to the airport commission every fourth Thursday of the month, all right? So that like Tuesday, I emailed the entire airport commission this letter where I basically said, I've been doing an enormous amount of work for you people for two fucking years for practically shit pay. Okay? I I I am requesting an increase in compensation that is significant, otherwise I got to go. Basically, I asked them for $41,000 in benefits or $45,000 and no benefits. Okay? Uh, I figured that was fair. I did my research. I found what other airport managers in the area were making. And I was pretty close to the mark on that one. I asked all the people that were experienced in aviation on the field. They said, yeah, that sounds like ballpark. That sounds good. And what's funny is that when they all found out what I was actually making, they were like, what the fuck is this shit? You've been making that. I wouldn't even get out of bed for that is what one guy said. Um, so that started the battle, the great battle. Okay. My boss was fucking livid when I presented this shit to the airport commission. You should have seen him. His face turned purple and he started shaking. He was so fucking mad that I had asked for a reasonable, fair increase in compensation from a bank account that didn't even belong to him. Okay. He went fucking crazy. You should, it was, it was like, I thought his, I thought his head was going to fucking pop. He looked like a balloon that was about to explode. It was ridiculous. And he could barely speak by the end. I remember listening to the recording of the fucking meeting by the end of recording. His voice was hoarse. He was miserable. They kicked me out and deliberated on what I had asked for for like an hour. And by the time I came back in, his voice was hoarse. So I knew he had been like running his gob the whole time, bitching about "Oh, that motherfucker. You know, he shouldn't be making anyway. So the the, the battle lasted for months. We went back and forth and back and forth. He came and sat down and talked to me. When he, when, this one time he sat down, he's like, boy, you ain't happy here no more. He always called me boy. I fucking hated that. I hated that so goddamn much. Boy, boy, boy. And he, the dude had no respect for the person that I am, for the things that I had accomplished. The fact that I was ex-military, the fact that I was college educated, I was a pilot. He didn't give a shit about any of that. I was his secretary. You know he's 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 your standard typical old dude who doesn't give a fuck about the young who thinks his generation is so much fucking better that they you know they did so much more for the it's just it you could he oozed that arrogant prick bullshit and he was he was about as personable as a baked potato he was not a friendly person he was not a nice person he was a penny pinching demon <laughs> and fucking cocksucker so anyway. He comes and he sits down with me and I admitted like I was kind of harsh about the way I presented that letter, but, uh, I had to go around you. You weren't going to do anything for me. You made that, you made that evident. You didn't give two shits to help me out. So I had to help myself out. Excuse me. I had a piece of popcorn in my teeth from a movie I saw last night. Saw this movie, uh, sidebar, quick sidebar. Saw this movie. Good boys last night. It sucked. I didn't really enjoy it. It, I, I laughed some, but mostly it was just cheesy. Anyway, so he sits down with me and this dude tells me while we're sitting there that, you know, first of all, he had forgotten how much he started me out at. He, he said, how much did I start you out at, boy? I said, $35,000. He said, no, I think I started you out at 34000 I said, no, you started me out at $35,000 a year. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure. And I, I, I mean, we went back and forth on this for like 10 minutes. And at one point I got mad and I said, I'm not fucking lying to you. I'm the one who does the paperwork. I'm the one who writes my checks. I'm the one that does all the administration around here. I fucking started at 35. A week later, he came back. Yeah, you was right about that. I, I guess the pay raises around here didn't work out the way I intended. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's fucking true, dickhead. You just didn't give a shit, son. You just didn't give a fucking shit. So anyway, and then he tries to tell me, well, I figured, you know, teachers over in X county make this amount every year starting out. I figured it was about the same starting out you're comparing my job to a fucking school teacher starting out some 23 year old kid picking up a job. He literally did this at an elementary school. A teacher <laughs> compared that first year teacher to a fucking 30 year old United States Army veteran with a bachelor's in aerospace licenses coming out of his ass for flying, dispatching, even drone operations. And he compared me that I, I was flabbergasted. I said, I, I'm not a fucking teacher in that county, I'm not a fucking first-year anything. You pick, you, like, <laughs> you, oh, man, it, it was so frustrating. The dude, he was just, he played a lot of mental gymnastics to try and rationalize why he had treated me the way that he had treated me, why he had, you know, fucked my payover as long as he had. But nothing, he never he never made any concessions about his behavior, about his, his bullshit micromanagement, his self-centered nature, his anger, his, you know, lack of concern for the well-being of his employees or his, uh, oh God, the list just goes on. The self-aggrandizement of believing that he was the man in charge, you know, like couldn't even fucking run the place. So you know what he did? He made me an offer. <laughs> he made me this fucking offer. He said, I'll tell you what, uh, what we won't do is, uh, we're, we're going to accept this as a letter of resignation and, uh, we, we want you to stick around for a month or two so that we can find your replacement and then have you train him. <laughs> I just laughed at him. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, this is not a letter of resignation. This is a request for an increase in compensation. Lest I decide to leave. I know that's an ultimatum, but that's the way it is. It's not exactly a letter of resignation, Tom. Secondly, uh, you expect me. You're not going to fucking pay me. This reasonable, fair increase in compensation that I've requested. But you think that it's okay. You think that I'm going to stick around long enough for you to hire my fucking replacement and then train them how to do my job. You, you think that I'm going to agree to that. So I, I said, no, um, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You guys can come up with a counter offer and I'll consider it. So that's what happened. I'm really truncating this whole story. Because the truth is there was a lot more to it and it was a lot more fucked up than just this, but it was the entire situation was just a, a fucking disaster, a disaster. And so they come back to me, they, they, they give me like two months later, okay, they, they come back with, uh, they said they'd give me $42,000 a year in retirement. <laughs> the airport commission made that decision and, and you could tell Tom was livid about it, hated that number, hated the fact that they were going to add retirement. Okay. So I, I accepted that. I said, okay, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take the 42 and the retirement. So here's what happens. At that point, we begin the process of trying to figure out how the retirement is going to work, where we're going to get it from, blah, blah, blah. So there were two options. The first option was to move our, our employment under one of the localities. And then we would have their retirement and medical plan. The other option was to just do it as independent. Either way it was going to cost the airport a lot more money and that's what we were finding out. And so the the longer it took it was supposed to take effect at the beginning of the fiscal year. Uh which would have been um July 1st is the beginning of the fiscal year. And so on July 1st I was supposed to be under this new plan um where I was making 42 and receiving retirement. Okay? But like throughout the month of July as I'm nearing my first official increase in compensation paycheck, I, I started to notice that Tom had no fucking idea what he was doing. And 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 that this wasn't going to I started to really worry that this wasn't going to get done. Okay. Uh it was around that time that I fucked up. I did fuck up. And I'll be honest with you, in in the last like six months that I've been working at this airport, my entire motivation evaporated. It just became so obvious with the whole fight to get the pay increase, the interactions with Tom, his shitty nature, the the, the reality that they had siphoned money out of the budget away from the airport manager and into a tractor. The, the whole culture of the organization was fucked. They didn't give two shits about me and I'm the guy running the show. I'm their dude. I'm their Lin- Like the whole thing hinges on my abilities and they just didn't care. He did not give a fuck. And so I, I mean, how do you, how do you keep doing it you, you just to pay the bills, you know, so that your rent is, is there, you go into work every day, just miserable. And, and this one guy recently was like, well, yeah, but you love the airport. Didn't you? Wasn't the airport like your thing? And I told him it was, it was, it was a lot like, he's like, didn't you like air, but oh, you're an airplane guy. You got to be around airplanes all day. And I was like, yeah, that's true to some degree. But like, I felt like the guy in porn who's on his back with a fucking camera under the dude's slappy fucking nutsack and taint just banging away at some chick's pussy and (laughs) I'm fucking holding the camera thinking Jesus I wish I was having sex right now that's how I felt every day I was going in there and taking a fucking nutsack to the face running this fucking airport watching everybody else get to fly airplanes and I couldn't do it because of my anxiety I couldn't fucking do it So let me tell you how I fucked up. First of all, let me tell you this. Uh, My buddy Landon, who I don't know if he's listening or not. I don't know if he listens to my podcast, but my buddy Landon offered to take me up in his airplane. It took me three goddamn years at the airport, five years of being on the ground. Uh, I flew one time in a helicopter in, in those five years, but it was five years, five years had passed since the last time that I had gotten to the cockpit of a fixed wing aircraft, an airplane. And, uh, right, right near the end of July. Uh, my buddy Landon took me up in his Republic commander and we flew around the pattern for a while and I really enjoyed it. So, uh, that was a, that was a wonderful experience. The culmination of three years at that miserable fucking airport to let me know that, um, I had, uh, I had really progressed. I had really, I had really made progress in my, my therapy and I was, I was, I was, you know, I'm recovering, I'm getting better. And then I fucked up. So how did I fuck up? Uh, like, remember I said that every fourth week of the month, every fourth Thursday of the month, the airport commission has a meeting. So what happened was the week before that meeting. Okay. So like the third Friday of every month, I would prepare the information packet and all the paperwork and everything. And then I would send it to the airport commission chairman to review. And then he would send it back to me for changes. And then, and then I would send it to the airport commission themselves on Monday of the next week in advance of the meeting. Well, I got my calendar wrong. And so, um, the fucking, the Friday that I started that paperwork on in July to prepare for the airport, I sat down to prepare the paperwork, the, uh, I looked at the calendar and I realized I was a week off. And so the meeting had actually been held the the day before, or it was supposed to have been held. And I freaked out. I was like, oh shit, I fucking totally missed the meeting. I forgot about the meeting. We didn't even have it. No one normally listen to this. Okay. So this is important. Normally. If I, if on that Friday, I didn't put together the packet of information. Uh, I would, I would receive an email or a phone call from my boss, Dickhead Tom saying, Hey man, where's the packet? I need the information. You didn't send me anything on Friday. So Monday I would do it. Sorry, my bad. Got a little caught up in all the shit that I have to do. The million thousand fucking things I have to do for your airport. And I forgot to do this one thing. We didn't even have anything on the agenda for this month. Like it wasn't even a big deal. It was a shit meeting. There was nothing going on. So I forgot to, I I forgot. And normally I would receive a call or an email. I didn't get any of that. And, And I understand that it's not his job to remind me to do my job. I get that, right? But he allowed me, he watched me throw myself under the bus on this one. Okay. This was the first time I had ever missed a meeting. I had never missed a meeting prior to this. Not one time. I'd always been Johnny on the spot. I might have, you know, done the paperwork a little bit late, but I had never missed a fucking meeting, okay? This was the first time it had ever happened. I received n- nothing from anyone. So the next day, that Friday, I realized I'd missed, you know, that I'd missed my hit time. And so I called Tom and said, hey, we didn't hold a meeting last night. And he said, oh, we held a meeting. And that's when it all clicked. They held the meeting without me. Tom didn't want to call me or alert me that I had missed the meeting and uh, that's when I, I, I like, realized, like, oh, fuck. Yep, I know where this is going. So for the whole rest of that week, like, I knew that I was fucked. I was 100% fucked. I had given him all the ammunition he needed to not have to spend the money I had negotiated for. The paycheck with the new raise and the retirement was supposed to be drawn on August 1st. July 31st, I was ambushed by Tom and his co-lackey, a guy named Larry. They came in and they told me that, You missed a beaten boy, so we're going to ask you to resign or be terminated. If you resign, this right here will go away. And he held up a a packet of paperwork. And on that paperwork was a list of grievances he had had with my work performance over the course of three years. He typed it out. A bunch of little bullshit. Little stupid fucking piddly bullshit. I read it over. It was it was just all had nothing to do with the actual administration of the airport, the all the hard work I had done, all of the the audits and the the extra hours spent working at the airport, all the paperwork, all the record keeping, all the fucking safety inspections and 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 maintenance projects I had organized and paid for through government grants. Like it just didn't it didn't mention any of that. It was just piddly bullshit. You bought a four hundred dollar static reel for our Jedi tank that we didn't need. We fucking needed it. The static reel on the Jedi tank is ancient. It's as old as fucking God's balls. It's falling apart. I bought a new fucking reel, and he just didn't think that we should have it because it was five hundred dollars. That, that's that's what the way it always fucking was with this asshole, you know. If it wasn't his idea, it wasn't a good idea. Oh, I was fucking so mad. I sat there and I just looked at him, and so he said, "If you if you don't resign, we'll keep this list and we'll 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 mention it to anyone that calls for a reference." And I thought to myself, "Ain't nobody calling your fucking ass for a reference ever, dude." So I said, fuck you, give me the goddamn resignation I'll sign. They gave me two weeks of severance pay. They sent me on my fucking way. I remember as I was going, uh, the the lackey, Larry, was, God bless you, boy, good luck out there, God bless you, I sure hope you do well. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you feel bad because you know you're fucking me, guy. You know you're fucking me. You know I've worked my ass off at this installation for the last fucking three years. I've given so much of my time and effort. I've put up with ridiculous... Ridiculous everything <laughs> to be your airport manager and now this. You're shysting me out because I asked for a fucking raise. And Dickhead Tom didn't want to fucking pay it. What a cunt. What a fucking cunt. Every time I see him, I'll drive around town, I'll fucking see him. I, I just, I just want to watch his tire pop, see him slam into a light pole or something. I hate him that much. And you know what? Harry Potter and the audacity of this motherfucker called me. Several times after I left the airport asking for help and advice on the job, asking for passwords and things, (laughs) the motherfucker had the nerve to contact me and ask for things after he fucked me like that. I I couldn't believe it. I was flabbergasted. I thought, man, I gave him the wrong password. (laughs) The next time I saw him, he asked for me again. He asked again in person. I just said, I don't know, man. It's on you. Good luck. You know? Unfucking believable. Three years of my life. So, yeah, that came out of kind of nowhere. I should have known that he was going to try and find a weasly little excuse. He's a little weasel of a man. Little weasel of a man. Uh, so many people I spoke to the whole time I worked there just had nothing good to say about the guy. He's just a shithead. Everybody knows him and thinks he's an asshole. So, fuck you, Tom. You listening, you piece of shit, fuck you. I hope you fucking, I hope you reap what you've sown. He lives alone in a miserable little rectangle of a house. You know, doesn't have a wife. Wife left him. (laughs) You wonder why, right? Just a fucking terrible person. Fuck you, man. Fuck you, Tom. You can kiss my fucking ass. Anyway, so I left that job. I resigned. I was forced to resign. What happened afterwards? Uh, I've taken a few weeks to just fuck right off. Mostly, the fiddlers convention here in town happened, and I spent that whole week just inebriated off my tits. Uh, I I I ate a shit pile of food that was just ridiculous. I I got a roommate, so I have a roommate. It's a girl named Taylor. Hey, Taylor. She's a good roommate. That's working out pretty well. I figured you know it would help me. She wanted a place to stay away from her family and I needed help with bills while I'm unemployed and working that situation out. So, she moved in and that's been good. Um, I got a puppy. I got a puppy. His name is McFly. He is a chihuahua. Uh, he's one of my mom's puppies. She has a couple of chihuahuas, they breed every now and then and um he's a little little chocolate brown, little fucking turd. Not the little skinny, spindly Chihuahua, more like a stocky, um, shorter, meatier Chihuahua. He's a little wild man. McFly's great. He gets he gets along like you guys wouldn't believe it. He gets along perfectly with with Meatball. Him and Meatball play constantly. Like she lets him chew all over her ears, and they battle each other. And like I'll be in the other room, and I'll hear, rear, 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 and I know that McFly's chewing on the kitty, and the kitty will smack him in the face, and I'll hear, Mah! and he fucking runs in here with his tail between his legs and hides under the bed. So, yeah, they're they're fucking adorable. McFly's been an adventure. He's a little poop factory, but his turds are as big as a Hot Cheeto. So, <laughs> it's not fucking the worst, you know, I can deal with it. He pisses on everything and poops on everything. So, my life has become like I come I wake up, I take him out, I feed him. And then the rest of the day I walk around with paper towels and a bottle of spray cleaner, cleaning up the little messes that my puppy leaves behind me. And I'm, we're working on it, you know. I crate him sometimes and he hates being crated, so he screams all night. But uh yeah, I got a puppy, McFly. He's he's the little, little ball of joy and light of my life poop factory that lives in my house now, along with a cat named Meatball and a roommate named Taylor. So my housing situation has changed. As far as work goes, I have been doing a part-time thing for a local CBD company that is uh, making CBD products. So they have like vape pens and topical ointments and stuff like that. And it's a really, really new company. Uh, I I think I'm their first sales distribution dude. So I've been driving around towns locally, you know, kind of shaking the tree, see what falls out looking for leads, um, uh, to distribute their products, giving out samples and stuff. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's, that's fun. It's, it's going to be more of a side project until they, they hit like full capacity. They're, they're only really beginning the, the, the real production of their product. It's really interesting though. Like, uh, I, I walked into the business and I saw, huge room just filled up with pot plants and that got me excited. So that was fun. But by the way, uh, I had a really great experience with this. So like the first day that I, that I took this gig moving their products around, I, I had a box of samples and I I take off and I stop at this one little, uh little vape shop here in town. And um, I, I go inside and just asking, I was super juiced on caffeine, man. It was, it was bad. I was so tweaked out. Uh, Cause I, I basically interviewed that morning and then started working like right there on the spot. They gave me a box of samples and said, get your ass on the road. So I drove off. Um, So I fucking uh, I I, I go into this vape shop and this dude, he's already got some of our stuff and we're talking about it. He's talking about the legality of everything and what it's like to do this thing and, you know, what these samples are like. And he pulls out. He's like, you know, I have some of your have you have you tried this? Have you tried the vape cartridge? I was like, no, he's like, this is your best product. I was like, fuck, okay, really? He's like, yeah, you want to try it? I was like, I mean, yeah, okay. I I hadn't really tried good, real CBD products. It had all been like online stuff that I had purchased from other companies. And I tried the oil under the tongue. It didn't really do anything for me. But I was like, yeah, let let me try this shit. So he's like, all right, so take two big rips off of it, hold it in like you would if you were smoking pot. I was like, all right, cool. So I took two big rips off of this vape CBD thing and he was like get yourself a glass of water. So I turn around and go to get a glass of water and while I'm pouring the water it hits me. And it was it was mind-blowing. I mean it was totally it was totally surreal because I am an anxious person, right? You guys know that. And I'm 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 currently like in this position. I'm 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 caffeinated out of my ass and so this shit hits me almost like being high. I couldn't believe it. It was it was I became mellow and relaxed and I could feel it like changing my perception of reality. And I started to feel better. And then, you know, he's he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, dude, he started smiling real big. Like we had a moment where we both realized and I was just like, oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, I know, man. Right. I'm like, "Holy shit, this is good. This is good. Oh, I was really excited about it. So I've been chiefing on a CBD vape pen. <laughs> ever since. This shit's good, man. It, it really, it makes me feel significantly better. It does. I, 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 my anxiety goes away and I feel kind of like a head buzz and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the way that it makes me feel. <laughs> it's, it's good. I like CBD a lot. I'm a believer now. And that made it easier to drive around and, and push the product because, you know, I'm, I'm a believer that it, it, it really works. I, I let my mom, Use some of the, the the topical stuff, and she really really liked the topical stuff because it helped with, you know, aches and pains that she currently is dealing with. Says it helps her a lot, helps her to sleep at night. So it was a you know it was a really eye opening experience to the power of CBD, and, and what cannabinoids are capable of doing for individuals. I really enjoyed it. So that that's been fun. I also I have a I have an interview coming up for an IT sales position at a local uh, IT company. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, I'm doing fine. I've, I've got my shit together for the most part. <laughs> I'm starting to get back into the mode. I, I gained about seven, eight pounds <laughs> after the whole big shebang with work. I, fucking, I mean, I'm a, I'm a stress eater, man. And uh, I went on a fucking rampage, especially during Fiddler's Convention. I was slamming cheeseburger sliders from Hardee's and uh, pizzas from Walmart and zebra cakes and fucking ice cream from Dollar General. I mean, I put it away, buddy. I I, I went to town. I, I packed on some weight and uh you know i I've, I've been enjoying my time to myself it's it's a nice little uh break from the grind of reality but you know driving around and doing the cbd thing has been a good little step back into getting myself together and and uh a couple of friends of mine had asked you know dude what's up with poor me another what's going on with the podcast and i i just i needed a break man it's it's really really hard to come up with good creative shit and sit down and talk into a microphone when your brain is just completely worked over by the loss of a very, very, very dear friend, the loss of your job, the total upheaval of your life. Everything in my life has changed in, in a matter of two months, everything from June till today, my whole fucking life is different. All of it, every bit of it. The only thing that hasn't changed is where I live and the things I like, (laughs) but I mean, my entire life has changed. And so that's why it's been difficult for me to put together episodes for this podcast. Um, I apologize for that uh you know i i i 'm a human being, and uh you know the the this has been one of the more difficult summers of my entire life, so you, you guys got to cut me some leeway on producing this free content for you. By the way, uh, I want to send a big shout-out to my buddy Brandon. I know he's listening. Brandon, I love you. Thank you for your contributions. He's, he's become my first regular subscriber, and every month I get a little smack to my, my little account on there, and, and I want you to know that that's going towards uh, zebra cake money. Um, <laughs> by the way, I am currently financially uh, a little unstable until I get work going. So I'm not going to ask you for contributions, but I will say any contributions I receive would help me pay my rent. <laughs> and that's that's important. As long as I can pay rent and electric, I can still make you guys these fucking episodes. So there is an option at anchor.fm slash me another to help support the show. If you guys decide that you would like to do that, the option is there. I think it's like five bucks a month or something like that. Uh, you don't have to, honestly, you don't have to, but it, w- it would help. <laughs> it would definitely help me keep my fucking, keep my, my living expenses under control. I mean it's, it's, it's available. It's an option. You could do that for me and I would deeply appreciate it. And then you can submit requests for things you'd like to hear about on the show. And if you just want to listen to me fart into a microphone for five minutes, then (laughs) I'll do that for you if you really want. But anyway, yeah, option is there to help support the show. Uh, keep, keep this fucking thing going. I I promise I'm going to, I'm going to start to get back to work on making regular episodes. I know it's been rocky. Uh, I've been gone. I've been absent I apologize. It's been, fuck, it's been crazy. You guys, I, you know, you just listened to the whole story. It's been whack. I've been fucking, I've been, and I, you know, like the hardest part of the whole experience has been trying to get my motivation back together because what the fuck am I supposed to do now? You know, I was, I'm an aviation guy. That's what I've been doing. And now I'm back in sales and I like sales. I want to do sales for a while. I think it'd be fun. You know, sales is good. I make a lot of money doing sales and it it, it perfectly suits my personality. But is it really what I'm meant for? Is that the end state? Maybe this is it. Maybe the podcast entertaining all of you speaking into a microphone. That's the end state. I don't know. I'm fucking lost right now. I'm lost. I am completely lost. I have no idea what comes next, what the real plan is. I'm going to find a job. I'm going to keep my bills paid while I try to figure it out. Cause I really thought that the airport thing would segue me into something bigger and better, and instead it was just a three-year nightmare that I only recently woke up from, and I'm very sleepy. I'm still I woke up sleepy from this nightmare, so I'm 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 working on it, man. I'm working on it, guys. I uh, for all of those individuals listening who are friends and family, I love you guys. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for supporting me. Putting out the positive vibes to. To keep my, my shit together in this difficult time. Because it has been difficult. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This has been a difficult time in my life. 2019 is going to go down. And the, the the record books is one one year that can go fuck itself. I've lost a lot this year. And uh, in, in that experience, I've been reminded by just how much I truly have. In the form of love and support from friends and family. So I am a lucky guy. And I'm a lucky guy that I have all of you listening. I really, uh, I really, I really, I do enjoy doing the podcast. It's just the motivation to, to, to slap the whole thing together just hasn't quite been there while I'm dealing with my shit. By the way, I think I might do some restructuring to the way it flows, to what kind of episodes we do. I've been overworking myself putting these things together, um, especially with like the first of the month episodes. From now on, I might just slap some shit together for you at leisure because I, I've been reading this book in my efforts to change my life it's called atomic habits it's really good you have to make things attractive if it if 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 it's an unattractive process you're not going to want to do it and i'm going to be honest with you man you know doing a ton of research for one episode on like seven different subjects is kind of straining it's difficult so i'm going to have to sort of narrow that scope make it easier to do for me you know like this episode was easy all i had to do was sit down and talk to you guys tell you my story tell you what's been going on it's more difficult, especially when you're doing it all by yourself. The recording, the speaking, the editing, the cutting, the publishing. You know, that can be kind of difficult when you're trying to put together like seven different things. I need to get back into interviews. I haven't had a guest in a while. I think my last guest was Holly, Miss Holly from uh, Mount Airy, the lawyer. My attorney friend who I went and saw recently. She's doing well. Uh, so I need to do more interviews. I got a couple people out there on the line for that. They know they they know who they are. I hope they're listening. But so uh, yeah, going forward things might be a little bit different, but we're just going we're we're just going to fucking run with it, baby. We're going to we're going to shoot from the hip. We're going to make some fun fucking episodes. I'm going to sit down Uh, I'm not in the podcast booth today because it's too fucking hot. There's no air conditioning in there and it's like 90 degrees in Virginia right now. So I'm sitting in my bedroom with pillows all around my desktop, (laughs) sitting in front of my my, my desktop computer in my bedroom. There might be a, a shade of an echo in here. You might have heard a puppy barking or maybe a door opening and closing as my roommate moved around. I apologize for those ambient sounds. In the future, I will do my very best to eliminate those, although I can't guarantee it. It creates an ambiance. You know, you know you're in my house with me. This is a personal experience. We're not in some fucking recording studio in in Hollywood. We're here in Virginia making a podcast, okay? So, this is your boy, John Lale, for Pour Me Another, a podcast brought to you from a weird little fucking apartment in the Blue Ridge of Virginia, saying, thanks for coming, thanks for listening. I'm back. I'll make episodes. I'll introduce you to my new puppy, McFly. I'll let him lick the microphone and shit. I'm going to tell you about stuff. I'm going to tell you about airplanes, and I'm going to interview guests, and I'm going to drink bourbon, and I'm going to cuss, and I'm going to talk about all the shit going on in my life and the shit going on in the world, and I might even tell you about some assholes and douchebags of history. So this is Pour Me Another. Thanks for listening. Like I said, if you want to support the show, anchor.fm slash me another. there's the option. If not, I don't care. Listen to the fucking podcast. I'll put it out as much as I can. I'll do the best I can. Thank you all for listening. And I hope you have a fucking fantastic week.